It's great to be here. Also, before I continue, I really want to just encourage you. You know, the readers are leaders, and leaders are readers. If you're reading, you're leading. And if you're leading, you should be reading. Uh, If you don't see yourself as a reader, read anyway. Um, Especially, I wrote this book called The Pound for Pound Principle. Uh, Pound for Pound. It doesn't matter how big you are. It's what are you doing with what God gave you. It doesn't matter if you're a town of 20,000. What are you doing? It doesn't matter if you're a town of a church of 500. What are you doing? It doesn't matter with a high school education. What are you doing with it? If you're faithful in the little things, God will put you in charge of many. I would get this book. This is based upon the parable of the talents. And then the, the other one God told me to write was, was this called Plateaus. When you hit a, uh, a ceiling in life and how God uses those ceilings of your life to, to uh, reveal himself and to reinvent some things in your life. If you've ever been stuck in your life before and you want to go to the next level but you just don't know how, uh, get this book right here, Plateaus. Um, it's, I, I didn't come here to sell books, but I brought some books and I really be- believe that people are going to need them. And uh, if you read them, it's going to bless you, I promise you. I'm not going to write rubbish for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to write something good in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you once again, Pastor Wayne. Thank you, Pastor Ben, for the opportunity to give the last message today. I want to give you something a little bit more um, practical from what I delivered on the first message. Uh, first of all, I wanted to circle back, close the loop, and follow through on the story of what I shared earlier about the Gideon message. And here it is, Gideon. Uh, here it is, a picture of my family. This is my wife, my three daughters, and my entire family right here. And that is the story. My wife, Lisa, on the left, gorgeous Chinese, five foot seven, very specific. And then to my right is my oldest daughter, Courtney. She's the, 20, she's the two-year-old that I raised and I always had custody of her husband Jason and my two grandkids can you tell that I'm a grandfather I am a grandfather right there don't call me old man don't call me grandpa okay you guys okay you guys okay nobody's laughing over here I'm just playing with you okay and the other thing is um, that's my my granddaughter Bowie she's the most beautiful baby in the world beautiful little girl in the world and that's my grandson his name is Alkai Alkai in Hawaiian means strong current uh, when it comes to the ocean, the strong current. And then, of course, as my youngest daughter, Karis, she is 12, and Rebecca, who is 21, who I'm taking bids for, under the age of 25, if you got money. All right, are you ready? I'm just playing. I would never do that. I'd never do that. I'm not trafficking, guys. I'm just playing. All right, are you ready? You never know. It's not a hashtag me too. All right, moving right along. <clears throat> you ready for the word? All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to bring it. Real simple, real simple. Real simple. First Samuel chapter 22, only two verses. Only two verses. Real simple. David, now the king. Not, not quite the king yet. He's not the king. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And with it, when his brothers and his father, father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were, three things, in distress, in debt, or, in, or discontented, gathered around him. And he became their commander, about 400 men who were there with him. Those who are distressed. You know how important uh, today. Things that sell, sell. Today, distressed wood. How's that? Leave something out for 20 years, you can sell it for a lot of money. Distressed wood. In debt. People who have been in debt owe somebody money. The shame upon the family as a result of that debt. Or discontented. Three categories I've felt in my life, and you've probably felt at one point or one time in your life, distressed, in debt, or discontented. But what I want to really focus on is the men that ended up coming to David. 
that they began to come to David. They were all in this cave together called the Cave of Adullam. I've seen the caves of Adullam. They're pretty amazing. Amazing that you could um, hide 400 men in that place. But of course, it's not inconceivable because it happens in Afghanistan. Think about this for a moment. All the people that David, that God brought to David, I want, and they spent time in the cave. And they spent time in the cave. Today, in America, man caves. People spend money on a man cave. I just want my man cave. They spend $10,000 on a man cave. $5,000 on a man cave. But can I tell you that if you ever go into any cave in your life, there are some things that you want to come out of after you've been in the cave. You can't stay in the cave forever. You were not meant for the cave. You need to come out of the cave. You're not a caveman. Somebody say amen. amen. You got to come out of the cave. Let me give you six practical things that you should have on your way out of the cave. I want to give them to you. Number one. Real simple. Number one, real simple. Brothers to link with. Brothers to link with. There's a brotherhood that should be developed out of your time out of the cave. Can I get the point, first point on the, on the screen? Brothers to link with. You need to have brothers in your life. Um, let me give you the picture. Here are my brothers. Here's just some of my brothers in this picture right here of people that I've done life with. And in the past, this guy in the upper right-hand corner, his name is Rob McWilliams. Ever since I got saved and gave my life to Jesus and I started going to a church called Hope Chapel where I was raised up, Rob was my immediate supervisor. My daughter Courtney and Rob's daughter um, Sarah, we're best friends. So Rob and I coach soccer together, and Rob and I are the best of friends for 17 years. I've known him longer than that, but for the 17 years, I've walked the beach every single Thursday uh, at 7 a.m. in Hawaii with the two of us. We just talk, have a cup of coffee, and we're praying. We're just praying. We're praying for one another. We pray. We talk about life. We, we get together because I realize I cannot be alone. And just like Pastor Wayne said, it is not good for man to be alone because loneliness, as Ben said as well, loneliness is not good for a man. Too many times we're isolated. So Rob has been one of my closest friends. Below that, my good friend, Pastor Jurgen Matesius. That's him. He's from uh, San Diego. And then my friend Evan Carmichael. That's me and him doing a little James Bond posing over there with my wife photobombing. It's my wife, Lisa, who did the photo bomb. She looks scary in that picture. She's really not that scary. She's actually gorgeous, five foot seven. Loves Jesus. Just a little bit more than me. And then, right above us is my best, one of my best friends in life, Roger Archer, Seattle, Washington. And then a, a big bloke to the left, upper right-hand corner, little right there. He's, they call, I call him a bogan. He's a bogan mongrel. You know what that is, right, around this place? Bogan mongrel bloke. His name is Shane Baxter, one of my really good friends, Shane Baxter. I hang out with these guys. You know why? You know why? Number one, number one I, need, I need brothers to link with. Brothers to link with. I want to ask you a question. Take off the picture. Look at me. Who are the brothers that you've linked with? Who's your mateship? Australia. Mateship. You got it better than America. I can tell you right now. I got a lot of American friends. In America, we love, we think we got a brotherhood. But can I tell you, I've never seen friends like in Australia. There's a mateship that happens here that is better than the average American. It is amazing. But can I ask you a question? Who are you spending time with in the Lord that's your mates? People that you're coming out of the cave with. People who helped you out of the cave. Helped you out of the wine press of life. People that you love. People that will pray for you. Because it's so important. Because you know why? The devil's out to get us. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Prowling around like, if he can get you. You ever see those National Geographic films? You ever see uh, in the Serengeti? 
And, and you hear the music, and they got James Earl Jones or somebody, Pierce Brosnan, speaking in the background. And there's the cheetah or the lion. The lion has the wildebeest, and the wildebeest, the young wildebeest, is isolated. And that's the tactic of the lion, is to isolate the wildebeest. You've seen that before? And all of a sudden, they try to cross the river, and he's got him. You know why? Because what he wants to do is isolate us from our mates. And if he can get you isolated from your mates, if you're offended by something, if you've been hurt by something, or you're going through a difficult time, and if they can just isolate you, uh, easily the enemy can get after you. I uh, also want to say that that miracle of those watermelons is absolutely amazing. I want to refer to that. That God's going to do build streams in the desert of your life where you think there's red, arid, dry, unusable soil of your life. That it's the friends that help you till it. It's the friends that help you water it. And God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And I will make rivers run through the desert or the desolate lands of your life. Can I tell you that, that the testimony of the man who lost his wife and raising up these, these sons of his, how amazing that I'm sure mateship got him through it. I'm sure friendship got him through it. So critical for you and I to have brothers to link with. Somebody say amen. Amen. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. This is when you find out who your real mates are. This is where you find out who the true friends are. When you go through difficult times and people who help you out of the cave. Because it's in the cave that things get discovered, but you were never meant for the cave. Number one is brothers to link with. Quickly, number two, number two, it's a hobby to clear your head. A hobby to clear your head. I don't know what kind of hobby they might have come out of the cave with. Do you have a point? Yeah, actually have points. Number two, uh, write this down. Write down. I gave it. This is a hobby to clear your head. A hobby. Everybody say hobby. hobby. For those of you actually taking notes, say hobby. hobby. All right, write it down. A hobby to clear your head. Here are some pictures of some hobbies in my life. Uh, right there. I looked at it. Well, first of all, why am I doing hobbies? Because you're boring at times. We work so much, we get bored. And some of you already work with your hands, and you don't want to go build something else. You know what I'm talking about? And so when I, you know, when I looked at it, I thought about to myself, I wonder what they did in that cave. I mean, think about it. 400 men in a cave. It must have gotten stinking there. Think about that for a moment. Somebody must have said, dude, pull my finger. You know, they played that game one too many times. And they had to develop a new game. So they needed something to take their mind off of the time of the cave. So I'm sure they came up with some games. I'm sure they did some stuff to pass the time. So that's why I came up with a hobby to clear your head. So one day Lisa says to me, she says, Mike, we need a, da- a big table. I said, babe, I want a table too. I want one of those farmhouse DIY tables. I want one of those Chip and Joanna Gaines tables. You know what I'm talking about? One of those beautiful tables. And she says, yeah, it's a lot of money. I said, yeah, it's about $4,000 for one of those. I said, I'll just build one. She goes, you can't build that. I said, oh, tell me that again. Tell me what I can't do. Tell me. I love it when you tell me what I can't do, honey. And she told me what I could. She said, you can't build one of those tables. Well, you know what? Next picture, please. Boom. There you go. Well, anyway, that's my friend Rob McWilliams. And Rob knows how to work with wood. And I don't. But I saw it on Pinterest, somebody. Hey, come on. I learned how to do it on Pinterest. Real men go to Pinterest. Okay? Real men will go to Pinterest. And lesser men will go to YouTube. So anyway, I went to YouTube and I went to Pinterest. And I learned how to make a table. And I downloaded the instructions. My dad never worked with wood. My dad never worked with cars. My dad was an athlete and a businessman. So I learned all these things together. And you know what? Between every plank of wood, before we planed every single piece, regular two by fours, pine, not expensive. In between, my daughters would write scripture between it. 
write scripture between it. Oh, the, like the Lord is the, the, the Lord of this house. And they would write Proverbs and Psalms all between that. And, every, and I'd glue it together. Uh, my table is made with scripture and love. Come on. You know how amazing that? Can I tell you while I was building it? I probably was going through one of the most challenging times as a pastor, leadership-wise. But every time I'd get my hands on, those, on that wood, ah, stuff would just go away. I'd forget all about it. For those two hours, I was actually working on it. I, I was transported to just wood, just sawdust, just glue, and I felt really good. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a hobby, or is there anything that you like to do that's not pulling you away from the family too much? Something that you can do that actually will clear your head? Find something. I think it's actually good. I wrote down 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Up on the screen, I believe it says this. In the springtime at the, king, the time when kings went off to war, David sent Joab off with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed the Ammonites, besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Can I tell you that I wonder if David had anything else to do other than rule? Did David have anything else to do that would kind of take his mind off of the problems and the challenges and the conquests and, and the success and the failures and all the difficulties? Uh, because, number one, if he had brothers to help him clear his head... Maybe a hobby to help him clear his head. Brothers to link with. Things could have gone better. You need a hobby. I had a good friend of mine uh, who's a very prominent, yeah, big guy. You might have heard of him. John Bevere, tell me. He goes, Mike, do you have any hobbies? I said, yeah, I play basketball. He goes, well, you're not going to be able to play, play basketball forever. I go, says who? He goes, says me. Mike, you're getting old. You're in this time. He said, you're in your late, mid-40s. You're not going to be able to jump and all that kind of stuff. I said, whatever. And he said, why don't you start learning how to play golf? I said, Golf? Golf is not a sport. <laughs> he goes, yes, it is. I said, golf, there's no exercise. I mean, you're not running. You're not elbowing somebody. You're not bumping into somebody. You can't feel somebody when you're playing golf. He goes, Mike, trust me, golf is a sport. He gave me my first set of golf clubs. Can I tell you it's a hard sport? Can I tell you I actually think it is a sport? It's difficult to learn. But can I tell you also I'm glad that I got, I got golf in my life. You know why? Because it can take my mind off of stuff. Because I can't hit the white ball straight. And anything that's challenging. You know, the same year, I decided to do something. I never grew up surfing. Everybody thinks that I surf because I'm from Hawaii. I don't. I love the water, but I didn't. The same year I picked up golf, five years ago, was the same year that I, that I learned how to surf. Why? Because I felt like if, if basketball ever gets done, what would be my hobbies? I don't want to just get lethargic. I don't want to let middle age sink in. Come on. I don't want to be defined by that. I want hobbies. I want health. I want recreation. So I decided that I would do something that would get the blood flowing even when I get older. So that's what I, number one, it's practical things. Number one, do you have a hobby? Number two, who are your mates? doesn't have to be an expensive hobby. Hobbies don't have to cost a lot of money. But you got to do something to take your mind off. Can I tell you? Can, 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 you got other pictures from the hobbies? Other hobby pictures? Things that I've built? Moving right along. That's a table. How beautiful was that table? That's the same table. Moving right along. Moving right along. Another picture. Oh, that's the finished product. That's the first. Don't you, don't you think that's amazing? Don't you think that's awesome? Somebody clap for me if you think that's awesome. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. For the unimpressed, I can tell you are a woodworker. All right, moving right along. And here it is. My, my daughter, when she was only 10 years old, she's going, ooh, daddy, this is so beautiful. Um, anyway, moving right along. Next page. Next page. I built that when I got bored. Okay, anyway, moving right along. Um, moving right along. Anyway, not that guy. That, that does, I don't have his quote. You can take his picture off. Okay, here's, let me give you a third thing. A third thing that you get, th- third thing that you need. Number three, you need a sustainable health plan. I'm not talking about 
an HMO. I'm not, well, you, you know what that is? I'm not talking about health insurance or socialized medicine. Is that what you have here? Okay, all right, moving right along. Uh, I'm talking about what are you eating? How do you feel at 2 o'clock in the afternoon after lunch? Feel like you need a nap? Feel like you can't stay awake? And then I got to ask you, what are you eating? Can I tell you that I thought I was young and could eat anything I wanted? I was eating McDonald's in my 30s, going early into my early 40s. In Hawaii, we love our starches. It's kind of a Polynesian thing. You know what I'm talking about? It's an Islander thing. We love white rice because we got a lot of Asians, so we love white rice. Uh, we, love, we, love, we, we love bread. We love pancakes and all that kind of stuff. We love macaroni salad. You ever you know what? You have that macaroni salad? We love that stuff. And then we love it all over. We love our food wet. You know what I'm talking about? Like hamburger, that, you know, hamburger with gravy. We like that stuff. And you know what? After a while, you eat that for, for too often. You get a little bit lethargic. So by the time I was 40s, like in my early 40s, I started to realize, why am I tired at 10 o'clock in the morning. Why can't I handle another meeting by 12 noon? You know why? It's because I didn't realize what I was feeding and what I was eating. And I wasn't like the most health conscious guy. I thought if I exercise, I balance off all the food that I eat. You know what I'm talking about? I work out a lot. I can eat whatever I want. You know what? You can't do that after a while. Then I realized some things that, you know what? What I was eating was actually fogging up my brain. So here's what I did. I did something radical to me, radical to me. And I cut out almost 95% of all wheat products in my life. 95% because I heard that there's this thing called gluten in wheat that slows down your thinking. It slows down your brain. And for some guys, it gives them irritable irritable bowel syndrome. But I didn't have that. I just had an irritable irritability problem. I was getting irritable with everybody. Irritable with my wife. Irritable with my staff. And I thought, what is, is it just number one, emotions? And number two, is it just getting older that I get like this? I did some studying. I did a little bit of research. And I went to almighty Google, and this is what I found out, that wheat and wheat products were actually messing me up. It was radical. I was disappointed. I was very bummed. What I did was I said, no more pancakes, unless they were gluten-free. What I found out was no more waffles, no more certain things, no more Turkish toast, no more avocado smashed toast. You know what I'm talking about? The Aussie uh, experience of breakfast. You know what I'm talking about? All that stuff. None of that. Unless it was sourdough bread because there is no gluten in sourdough. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I removed all of this. You know what began to happen? I began to think clearer. I didn't need a nap. I almost needed a nap every day. Like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock, a nap every single day. I'd stay home and study. Oh, I think I need a nap. And it's 1 o'clock. And I'd take a nap. And I realized I am not at my peak mentally until I cut out all these different things. I needed a sustainable health plan. I needed, what, it, what also began to happen was, I began, my, my, a lot of different, okay, you're going to look at me like, you're going to go like, dude, you're in like Alice Springs. You're actually talking about this stuff? Actually, you know what began to happen? My wife goes, honey, your face is a lot clearer. Your complexion. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so while I do exfoliate, um, anyway. She says, no, no, your eyes are not puffy. Your face is not swollen. I said, was that really that bad? She goes, yeah, you were. Uh, she said, you know what, you're actually a nicer person to be around. I said, honey, I was always there. I was always nice. She said, the other thing is, you know, I know and one other thing I noticed was I actually lost a few pounds 
Not like I needed to, but I kind of needed to. You know what I'm talking about? Not because I was trying. I said, I need to go on a diet. No, I wasn't like that. It was just like, I just need to eat better. And I changed the way that I ate. Can I tell you that I feel better in my 50s than I probably did? I mean, I'm only 50. Well, I'm not in my 50s yet. I've just, no, you're in your 50s, Wayne. I just hit 50. <laughs> I, actually feel, I actually, physically, emotionally, way better now than I was 10 years ago. Maybe this is helping somebody. Maybe somebody's going to reevaluate. You know, I used to think, I used to buy into the lie. Oh, it costs a lot of money to eat healthy. That's why I eat at Macca's. And you know what? That's why I go to Hungry Jack's. And I used to think the same way. It costs too much to eat healthy. No, it doesn't. It actually costs you more in medical bills. It'll actually cause you more in stress. It actually will cause you more in clothing not to not eat healthy. So what I, and it's actually going to cost you ways you can't even add up financially if you don't get healthier. In a little bit. Just take it a little bit at a time and see what happens. See what happens. Uh, for me, I went drastic. For you, you can go slow and see the change and just see what happens. Is that good? Yeah. All right, all right. Okay, three more, three more, real, real quick. Uh, number four, you got to have a growing love for God. You got to have a growing love for God. I got to believe in somehow, some way, that the Psalms that David write were not just written out in the shepherd's fields, that they're probably written from the cave. They're going to be times of songs of freedom that come from the hills when you're young and songs of deliverance and songs that are awesome and psalms that are great where you talk about the majesty and the beauty of God when you look at the skies. But you know what? There was a time of David's life he didn't see the sky. There was a time of David's life he rarely looked at the moon. And there was the times that David was in the cave. And there's times that you're in the cave that songs will come out of the cave. You're going to write songs that are deep. Uh, Things that you're going to write about your life are going to come out of the cave seasons of your life. Not just in the fields seasons of your life. David's field experience was killing lions and killing bears and writing love songs to God. But also in his time when he was on the run from Saul... He couldn't run away from the creditors. He couldn't run away from people who were coming after him. Running away from the things of his past that was coming after him are the times that David wrote some of his most emotionally wrenching, touching stuff that David would ever pen. It came in those times when he was growing in his love with God. And every man, the word of God, like we said earlier, opening up the word, will develop a growing love for God. John chapter 14, verse 15, I love this. You know this verse, but it says this, right? If you love me, you'll obey me. And when John the apostle writes this, it sounds like he's saying, if you love me, you obey me. Right? If you love me, you obey me. If you, if you don't love me, you're not obeying me. You don't obey me, you don't love me. But I like it to look at it this way. What if we looked at it this way? If you love me, you obey me. If you love me, you obey me. If you love me, it's so much easier to obey me if you love me. Instead of going, I'm going to focus on my obedience. How about just focus on your love and see the obedience follow the love for God. If you grow in love for God, you'll be more obedient. Can I get an amen? A growing love for God. Here's number five. Number five. What else do we need? Peace with yourself and everyone else. At peace with yourself and everyone else. David came out of that cave more at peace with who he was. But also he went through some conflict. It wasn't over. Ziklag was about to hit him. Ziklag was in his future. You know Ziklag. I love Ziklag. Ziklag, um, Ziklag was a place where David began to learn about 
who God was. It was more about how he grew close to the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord, his God, Pastor said, and he's absolutely right. Peace with yourself and with everyone else in your life. You know, there was a time when I didn't have peace. There was a time when I was going through some difficulty. Um, Every person in this room at some point in their life is going to ask God for peace. Storms hit, you need peace. That girl, Courtney, that was two years old, my, my daughter, Courtney, when, I, when you saw her, she was two. Uh, and then you saw her in that photo, that's at 29. There's a lot that went on between two and 29. There's a lot of counseling that took place. A lot of sleepless nights on my part. A lot of times of crying before God and asking the Lord, I was a good parent, Lisa was a good parent, she just, Courtney just went through some difficult times. Becca, Becca's beautiful, but can I tell you, we paid a little bit of a price with Becca, too, as well. Karis, she's 12. She's okay so far, and we're praying for even greater fruit than ever before. But you know what? You take all of that, then you take what we do for a living as well, and what you do for a living, and there's pressure, there's demands, there's any, and, and there's a spiritual battle that's coming after you. And I hit this one season of my life. I'm going to be, be open and honest. I hit this one season of my life. That I couldn't sleep. Not that I was staying away at night. But I would wake up. And I was filled with anxiety. Filled with anxiety. To the point where I was trying to finish something on the internet for my final. I was taking a class. And I felt like all of a sudden this pressure just closed in on me. I got, out of my, I got off my desk and I went to my wife. I said, babe, 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 babe. Honey, honey, honey. I call her babe. So, babe, 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 pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. She goes, okay, what's wrong? I said, I, I don't know. I just feel I, I never had this before. Just pray for me. She goes, she starts to tie. Wait, 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 no, no, don't touch me, don't touch me. It was like that. It was scary. She's like, what? Don't touch you. Like, don't touch me. I'm like, baby, please touch me. But anyway, back, but that one, like, don't touch me. Honey, don't touch me, don't touch me. And she's like, okay. And they began to pray for me. I finally went to bed that night. But by 1 o'clock in the morning, I woke up again. And when I woke up, let me tell you when I woke up. Same thing, only worse, twice as strong. I was scared. This had never happened before. And I'm thinking to myself, is this is what they call a panic attack? Is this what they call anxiety? Because I've never had this before. I walked around the table. I took my phone, I turned on worship music, I put it around my ear. Lisa could hear me walking around. She goes, babe, what's going on? I kid you not. I'm walking around the island in our kitchen like this, fearful of every step that this thing is going to come back stronger than ever before. And my wife grabs me. She goes, honey, what's wrong? I said, baby, just walk with me. Just walk with me. Just walk with me. And I'm walking around, and this worship music is going on, going on. I saw this guy later on at a conference. His name was Don Cousins. Very um, great consultant in America. He looks at me the next day. He goes, Mike, you don't look good. I said, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. He goes, no, no, seriously. He goes, everything okay? I said, well, let me put it to you this way. We're having a tough time with Courtney. I'm in a building program. Uh, Cars was just born. So let's just say that I'm not getting a lot of sleep. Uh, in, a, in addition to that, this is going on. He goes, you know what you need to do? He goes, what, you need to go get checked out to see if you're going through something. I said, well, okay, what do you mean checked out? Go to an actual doctor. He says, yeah. I said, I want to go to no doctor. I don't want to go to no doctor. Nobody find out what's going on with me. That's embarrassing. He goes, well... Well, at some point, you might have to go check. I was like, whatever. Okay, cool. He goes, so what should I do? He goes, well, the next month, worship as much as you can, exercise as much as you can, and read your Bible as much as you can, and see what happens. At the end of that one month, let me know. One month goes by. It's still there. Still there. 
I needed peace inside of me because I was caring a lot. So what did I do? I went and saw somebody. I went and saw somebody, and it changed my life. I'm not going to suggest to anybody in this place that maybe you need to see somebody, but you know, there's going to be a point in your life, and I'm, I'm just going to pretend there's no women in this place. I'm going to just tell you straight. For me, it was here, but for some guys, it can be the plumbing. It can be that stuff, and that stuff affects your marriage, and then you affects you. Because you feel like you're not the man that you are. And you are on the outside, but something's not going on on the inside. So I would say that for, for a lot of guys, they don't want to do nothing. They don't want to say nothing. They don't want to tell nobody nothing. But can I tell you that I talk about this unashamedly. I tell my guys, if you got to go see somebody, go see, go, go see about certain levels in your life that should be normal. And if they're not, go do whatever you need to do because you need peace inside of you. And I think it's very, very important. So if not... Don't have to. If this, if, this, if this particular point out of my six points doesn't fit you, no problem. But the other five could be for you as well. Even if two of these that you can fix in your life, it could change your life if you fix just two of these. Somebody say amen. amen. Just fix two. Peace. The other part was, Lisa told me, and I was talking to my wife, and she would say to me, she says, Mike, you know what? You've always been a man of peace. A man of peace. You're always the peacemaker okay not the peacekeeper there's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper a peacekeeper wants peace at all costs so they start to try to please everybody she said you're a peacemaker and what you do with that peace is this mike is you are always making sure that if there's any short you keep short accounts with people somebody mad at you you want to make sure hey listen let's let's sit down this reason Uh, i understand that there can be a point where that begins to be just too much to do But can I tell you that number five, you need peace at least within your own borders. People make a whole lot of fun about my president, President Trump. They make a lot of fun about him. Because it's what you see. It's only the media. The media takes what they want to do, throw it out there and say, this is Donald Trump. He's crazy. Ah, He's brash. Okay? Can I tell you, though, I like his concept. Peace with our own borders. Let's control our own borders. And you know what? It would be like saying this to Australia. You can't control your borders. You can have no peace in your borders. Can I tell you? We all deserve peace within our own borders. We all need peace right here. We all need peace right here. And when you have peace right here, you can have peace with other people. Somebody say amen. Amen. Bringing peace into other relationships. Here's my last one, number six. Number six, an increase in personal vision. An increase in personal vision. When you start to dream a little bit bigger than the year before, and you start to write these things down of what you'd love to see happen in your own life, what you'd love to see, I can tell you, they begin to happen. I I can tell you. You know, we remember that movie, Bucket List? Bucket List, the bucket list, right? Morgan Freeman, Jack Nicholson, all these old guys. One guy's about to die, and he writes down the top 10, top 15 things that he wants to do in his life before he dies. He thinks he's going to die in about a year to two years, so he's got to pack them all in, get down his bucket list. Can I tell you that it's possible that you don't have to wait till you die or before you die to start your bucket list? Can I tell you, you should actually start writing some stuff down on your mirror. So I started doing that. I started writing down what I actually wanted to do. I would write it down. It's like, I want to write this 
this. I want to, I want to go on this vacation with my wife and kids by, the, by, by, by this year because I want to see it before my kids get too old and we can't go. I would write that down. But you know what? One year later, that started to happen. I would write this down. I want to, I want to make an investment in this area of our life, and I'd write that down. I would write down like seven different things. I'd write it all down on my mirror in my bathroom. And you know what? Five out of that seven, I wrote them two years ago, five out of those seven things have actually come to pass. And if I never wrote them down, I'd always go, ah, yeah, maybe it's not meant to be. Ah, maybe it's not for us. Ah, it's a little bit too out of reach. I wrote them down even if they were way out of reach. You know why? Because I wanted to increase my personal vision. I can have great vision for my church. Oh, we're going to, how many campuses do we want? By this date, we're going to do all these easy. But why is it we shrink back and go wine press with our own personal lives? You can do it for your business. You can do it for your sales numbers, right? You can do it for your crops. You can do it for your, your ranch. You can do it for all that stuff, right? But you can also do it for your own personal life. Believe for even greater things. Come out with some great personal vision for your life. Maybe just one more level than the year before. Maybe two more than the year before. But write it down. Can I tell you also, put a date on it. Because dreams without a goal is just a wish. Dreams without a date. It's just a wish. You got to have a date on it, what you believe that it can happen. Come on, talk back to me. Talk back to me. Somebody say amen. Okay, let's review it. Let's review it. When you come out of the cave, number one, everybody say brothers. Say brothers. brothers. You got to have brothers. Don't leave this place without having some brothers. Don't leave this place without having a plan. Number two, you got to make sure that you got a hobby to clear your head. Start thinking, what is it going to be? That could be a hobby, riding a motorcycle. That could be, I, I, saw, the eight, I saw the spider out there. I want to ride that spider. Who's got that spider? Who owned that spider? That spider is sweet, man. That's awesome. That Can-Am spider is sweet. What is the hobby? Could be droning. You know what I'm talking about? Could be yacht races out here. I heard you got yacht races in the desert. Could be raising camels. I don't know. Find yourself a hobby that even your kids can do with you. A hobby to clear your head. You know what the hobby does? Totally cleared my head. Got my mind off of other stuff. Number three, quickly, a sustainable health plan. Maybe it's what you're eating that you got to consider all over again. Number four, growing love for God. Five, peace within yourself and with everybody else. And then number six, an increase in your personal vision. I hope that helps you. A lot more practical than what I gave the first time. But they're all practical. And everything and every message that you heard, you can implement today, right now, in your life. Hey, Desert Life guys, it's been a privilege and an honor. I was, glad, I, was, I was thankful to be here. And I'm going to be here two times tomorrow morning. I'll be preaching this. I think it's going to be a great message. I think it's going to, I can tell you that. It's an awesome message. I'll be like, uh, you might want to come. I think it's a terrible message. Bring all your friends. Terrible message. Can I tell you? Bring your friends, man. Call your friends. Bro, you got to hear this guy from Hawaii. He's a little crazy. But you got to hear him. Bring your friends. Have you ever seen anybody from Hawaii before? Tell him. You want to see a guy from Hawaii? He's coming to church. You may never see another Hawaiian again, but I'm from Hawaii, and my name is Mike Kai. It has been a privilege and an honor to be here with you guys.